look at Psalm 139 this morning. Thank you, Chrissy. Psalm 139 in your Bibles. If you could open your Bible to Psalm 139. If your Bible is in your iPhone and iPad, whatever you have that carries God's Word, let's look at that this morning. Psalm 139. The Bible says in verse 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my downsiding and my upsiding. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me besides and before and laid, laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Whether I go from thy spirit, or whether I flee from thy presence. If I ascend into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hide now from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the night are both like alike to see. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearful, fearfully, I'm sorry, and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thou hast my soul know it right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being imperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which are continuance with fashion, uh, cont uh, cont I'm sorry, continuance with, with fashion, uh, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful passage of Scripture. Encouraging words here, Lord. How much you care and how much you love us. And Lord, we are so grateful, those of us who are saved, that we have a wonderful Father, a wonderful Savior, a wonderful Redeemer. One Lord that even offers His heaven to us when life is over. Lord, may we take that to heart this morning. And if there's someone here or online, Lord, that hears this message, Lord, may today they take you at face value and understand they are destitute of your love and they need you, Lord. I pray for those people. They open their hearts and let you in and be their Lord, be their Redeemer this very moment, I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the title of the message this morning When you feel like nobody's going, when you feel like a nobody going nowhere. Ever been there? Someone once said that life is not fair. I agree with that in many ways. Life is not fair. In many ways, that statement is very true. Life is hard for those, all, for all of us. Life is hard. You might be smiling today, you'd be crying tomorrow. You know, uh, you might be. Uh, discouraged today, and you might be laughing tomorrow. That's the way life is. 
You know, you might look at someone crying. As you pass by, you go, what's wrong with that person? Tomorrow, you'll be crying. That person passes by you and says, what's wrong with that person? That's the way life is. Life is full of ups and downs and people crying, people discouraged, people destitute. Life is full of all things. Oh, if you all live in the same house, I don't know we would fit there. But if we all live in the same house, we would see the struggles and the problems and, and the discouragements of life that we all face. Life is not fair in many ways. We live in a falling world. We're sin abound and problems on every side. Get this. I'm not trying to discourage you this morning. I'm not, that's not my goal this morning. But encourage you this morning that life is worth living in spite of all this. Okay? Even though it might bring you some sad memories sometimes, for sure we get hit with some curveballs many times. Let me ask you, you this question. Did you ever felt like a nobody going nowhere? Do you ever felt like unimportant, insignificant, with no life ambition? Did you ever say, what's the use? What, is, what am I living for? Did you ever ask the question, why I, what, I, what I was even born in the first place? Did you ever, did, did, if you did, you're not alone. You're not alone, for these are questions you've been mentioned by almost every human being when they really, really, really hurt. There are times in our lives in which we say, nobody cares, nobody loves me, I'm stuck, I'm heading nowhere. I've been there, folks, many times in my life, I've been there. When I said, like, what am I living for? Maybe it's better for me to die than stay alive. What is the purpose of this life? I've been there, you've been there, and thousands of people have been there, and those who have the part of them in this world, many of them have been there. And future generations will be there as well. Because life is like this. One problem, another problem, another problem, another problem. It never ends. You feel like, you know, a soldier on war, always trying to fix problems. You say, well, you know, my life is okay. I just have some bills to pay. Well, for some people, the bills are a problem because they don't have money to pay for them. You see, you know, what might be easy for you might be hard for somebody else. What might be easy for somebody else might be hard for you. The truth is, we all go through problems in life, some of them worse than others, but life is full of those things. Let me give you this story. There was a man by the name of Holland. This man raises his family, teaches high school music, but he goes beyond instructing his students. He pours his life onto them. This man took a teaching job because he couldn't make a living writing and performing his own music. Uh, so, so his dream was composing a, a symphony, and was, uh, composing a symphony was put back in a, in a back burner, so to speak, for more pressing matters because he had other pressing matters in his life and problems he needed to resolve. But it was always there, vibrating in his mind. He wanted to do that someday. Then came the day when the music program at the high school was, was cut because of financial problems. As he struggles with being put aside by the school board after so many years, he was left with the question whether his life really matter. He put his dream on hold to, to take up this daily goal of trying to impact the, the lives of teenagers through music. Now that too was gone. Holland goes to his old classroom for the last time. The weight of the world is on his shoulders. When uh, B 
Bill, the football player, the football coach, drops by the by, uh, by to see about his hurting friend. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, what's the use? I worked so hard. I did all these things. What's the use? Nobody cares. I'm going nowhere. Do you have a pause to add about your life? Do your life amounts, amounts to nothing? Or maybe you just feel like a rat in a cage, turning the wheel, keep going, and then running in the same direction. Ever feel that way? You run at a high speed, but you're in the same place. You're not going anywhere. You know, for many people, that's the way life is. And the wheels keep spinning, and you keep running, and they keep spinning, and you're in the same spot. It's discouraging, folks. Are you working hard, but it doesn't feel like you're getting anywhere? Bills after bills, bills after bills, and you work hard, work hard, and a paycheck come, paycheck goes, paycheck come, paycheck goes. You feel unappreciated, overlooked, underpaid, or even unnecessary. You feel like nobody cares about you. It seems to me that most people who take the time to reflect on their lives struggle with these incomplete feelings and thoughts from time to time. Some people wrestle with them every day. If you take survey of your life, you say, what difference does it make if I live or die? Does anybody really know or really cares? You're right. There are many people that do not care about you. But there's one thing that I want to encourage you this morning. God cares. God cares. And we see this in verse Psalm 139. He wants to show you a different picture of your life. Listen, we can look at our own life from a pessimistic view and see all the bad and say nobody cares, nobody loves me. If I die, nobody even going to remember me. But God in Psalm 39 looks at you and say, let me show you what I think of you. Okay? Let's look at this from several points this morning. Number one, this is what God looks at, the way he sees you. God knows you. Look at verse 1 to verse 6. Oh Lord, I have searched me and know me. The psalmist said this way, I know you. Well, God says this way, I'm sorry. I know you. I know exactly where you are. I'll tell you what. That speaks of a God that loves me and cares about me. He knows exactly where I am. He knows about my pain. Look what it says in verse 2. Thou knowest my down settings. Thou know my, my uprising. Thou understands my thoughts afar off. Thou confess my path and my living down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, Lord, thou knowest altogether. You see, each of these words can be a different lay of God's knowledge of you and me. Combine the picture God. God likes, uh, is like a detective here, tracking even our most uh, uh, unique activities, even the most secret activities, stunning us. God knows everything about you and me. I tell you what, I don't know everything about you. You don't know everything about me. You know, we different people have different minds. We think different. We act different. I tell you what, I wish I knew everything about you. Well, maybe I did. Shouldn't. But anyway, but I don't. But God knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. Even my very thoughts, He knows about them. My actions, my attitude, everything that I do. God says, I know you. Wow. I think verse 1, the locust says, O Lord, I have searched me and know me. It is, a, it is a penetrating thought down to, to even think how much God knows me. I believe that God knows me more, more than I know myself. Right. 
Let it He knows your heart. From verse 1 to verse 6, he knows if you are a fake, if you are phony, if you are real. He knows the attitude of your doings. He knows the way you do things for him. He knows everything about your heart. Knows all about you. He knows your secret thoughts. He knows your secret actions that you have done or, or continue to do. He knows where you are heading because he knows you. What a thought that God knows my heart. What a thought that God knows me. Think about it from, a, from all the millions of people that live in the face of the earth. And God points right at you and He says, I know you. Wow. How many people know you? Honestly, how many people really know you? Probably a handful compared to the, all the millions of people in this world. And God looks at the human race and He goes, I know you. And He goes, I know you. I know you. I know you. Wow. It's interesting. When I was there with my mother there on Friday night, there was a young man that passed by. He looks at me. He goes, how, how are you doing? Long time don't see. I honestly, I, I tried to smile and be kind of like, I had no clue. No clue who the person was. That's how much we know people. We think we know everybody, right? We don't. But God looks at the human race, and he points, and he says, I know you, Robert. I know you. So God knows your heart, your fears, your thoughts, your motives, your dreams, your frustrations. He knows your past, your present, your future. He understands you more than you can understand yourself. Notice what's going on. He notice what's going on inside you and outside of you. He gets you. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself, like I said. When David says that God has laid his hand upon him, he's referring to an Old Testament practice of bestowing a blessing on someone. A wise father would place his hands on his children, speak words into their lives about who they were and what they would, should be or would be in the future. Or in their place in their family as well. This is one of the most important acts that happen in Hebrew families. In some way, our Heavenly Father knows you bestows blessings upon you and tells you that he loves you. I tell you, folks, in a world that we live in today, it's good that we know that God loves us. I am telling you, it's good to know that God loves us. When we are beaten down, when we are discouraged, when life is hurting, it's good to know that somebody loves us, especially our Heavenly Father. You know, God loves me. What a thought. And David is overwhelmed right here because he's thinking deeply and he's putting it down and he says, this is how much you know me. Number two, not only God knows you, God pursues you. Look at verse, there, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. When David affirmed that God's thoughts are uh, 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 taught for knowledge of him, he is concluding, verse 6, that he's beyond himself. He is so hard for him even to comprehend. I tell you, David's first instinct is, is the same as ours. How can I escape? Where can I hide? If he knows all that, he knows I'm a hypocrite. He knows my downside. Oh, goodness. He knows all my sin. He knows the bad things that I do. Oh, my. Where am I going? I tell you what, I praise the Lord that He is a forgiving Father. Amen. That's right. 
because we all be in a bad shape, all of us. He is a forgiving Father. Even though He sees what we do, He knows what we have done. Listen to me. How many times when you were a kid, you came home and you, your mama says, Where you been? Uh, I was outside. Where you been? They already know where you've been. They want you to say it. God knows where we've been. He knows what we have done. It's not like, you know, he's, he's, he's too busy doing other things. He knows. David is beside himself right here. He hears my lies. He hears everything that I do every day of the week. Look what it says in verse 7. Whether should I go from thy spirit? Whether should I flee from thy presence? If I ascend, into, if I ascend up to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. And he goes on to say, whatever place I go, you are there, Lord. David's fear of total exposure moved him to ponder if there was some retreat or place he could go. But you know what? He finds out that God knows everything about him and where he is. Let me give you a story right here about a young lady. It says, this lady Mary writes when she was growing up, she knew she was different. And she says, I hate it. She says, I was born with the cliff palate. And when I started school, my teammates made fun of me, called me names. I was different. And I used to say, they, um, I said, when the schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? your face. She said she had a bad fall. She didn't want to let him know that she was born that way. She said she was consumed with that. She felt that if she would just lie, people would like her because she felt unloved. The teacher, Miss Leonard, gave the test to everyone in the class one day and finally they said it was my turn. I knew from past years that as we stood against, against the door, Again, uh, against the door and cover one ear. The teacher uh, sitting at, uh, at her desk would whisper something and we would have to repeat it back. Things like, the sky is blue or do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words that, that God must have put in her mouth, those seven words that changed my life that day. She said, Miss Leonard said in her whisper to her, I wish... You were my little girl. Oh, how he, I loved those words. She said, from hate, that experience in my heart, it took a place of love. Love came in because hate left, because I thought that she hated me too. I tell you what, folks. You can go to the mirror and say, I'm not that handsome. I'm not that pretty. Look at my defection. Look at this and look at that. God looks at you and says, you're perfect. I love you just the way you are. That's the way I made you. I tell you what. This little girl was born that way. It was not her fault. She was made fun of. She grew to a point that she thought nobody cared about her because of her defections. It took one teacher to tell her, I wish you were my little girl. Wow. That's what it took. 
You know what, folks? That's what we need to hear. God knows you. God pursues you. You know why? Because he loves you. Number three, God himself made you. Look at verse 13 and verse 14. Thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You see, folks, we are made with great detail. Look at the human body. And look what we're, the way we made us. God made us with great detail. You know why? Because he made us with the finger of love. He loved you. He loves me. And he said, that's how I love you. I'm going to make you perfect. You know, when people out there think they're not perfect, we're not perfect, so to speak, but we are made perfectly by the hands of God. We're made by the wonderful creator. He knows you, everything about you, but he's also, he pursues you, but he tells you and me, I made you. You're not a product of, of evolution. You've not never been. You are made by the hands of a wonderful God. That's why when we die, we go back to the presence of our creator. That's where we go. We came from ashes as to ashes we go. Let A, he made you with great detail. Verse 16, 15 and 16. Pay attention to the words in this verse. It was God who knit you together in your mother's womb. A great picture of intricate attention to detail. And if you think about it, it was God that put life in there. I tell you what. We should praise God every day for the creator that he is. Instead, people may put the fist at God and say, I don't want you. Now, as much as I would like to say, you are, not, you are not the product of evolution. You are not an accident. You are not insignificant. You are not a nobody. Man, let me tell you this way. You are somebody in the eyes of God. You are precious and you are loved by the hands of a wonderful maker who created you. How ignorant can a person be that they, to, to a point to say there is no God. You know what God actually says to these people? It says a fool has said in his heart there is no God. Right. God calls those people fools. Amen. You know, if I call somebody a fool, they probably would be offended. But God says, you are a fool. They even think there is a no God. Look, let me, folks, let's, let's think about this for a second. All right. There is a galaxy. And it is planet Earth. You say, oh, as far galaxies of life is. Yeah, you show me one, because I don't believe it. In the beginning, God created the heavens, plural, and the earth. That's what God did. You know what God put there? He put life and planet earth. This planet is full of life. You know why? Because God put it there, because he's the giver of life. He's the one who gives life. He gives life every day, every day. Life is, it goes on in this planet every day. You know why? Because he is the giver of life. Don't come tell me I'm a product of evolution. I had two dogs and they dog around for 18 years, whatever the years they live. They never ask me what's for supper. They never ask what's for breakfast this morning. I give them dog food and dog food they ate every day. <laughs> oh, goodness, those scientists. Look what it says, in, actually, let me quote the verse. I quote it from my heart, but it's right here. The Bible says in Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, The fool had said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done 
abominable works there. There's none that do it good, God says. As the old preacher used to say, God does, doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. God makes everything perfect. But then what? Do you think our galaxy is junk? You think the sun that warms the planet Earth every day is junk? No. You think planet Earth is junk? No. We make junk many times. That's why you make a car before you know it's junk. <laughs> is that correct? I remember when I built my first bicycle, my friend looked at me and says, Hey, you got a new bike. I said, well, it's not a new bike. He says, it looks like a piece of junk. I said, that's what I got it from the junkyard. <laughs> I had no money. I had to go, get, go to the junkyard to get a bike. But I had to put pieces together and put it together. Well, that was the worst, worst bike I ever had. I agree with him. I said, that's a piece of junk. <laughs> God doesn't make junk. God makes everything perfect. You know, you are perfect. He said, but I'm not look so, like so and so. No, you're like you are. God didn't make you to compare yourself to somebody else. People in this world, what they do, they want to be like, oh, if only I'd be like you. If only I looked like you, be like you. No, be who you are. God will love you that way. Number four. God has plans just for you. Logar says in verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sins. When I awake, I'm still with thee. It is easy to think that God has forgotten us when we are in the deep of despair. It is easy to think that we are irrelevant, unimportant, forgotten. It is easy to think that no one cares, not even God. It's easy to think that we are the only ones suffering when the world is full of suffering. But that's the way we, uh, we think as humans. It is the way we think because we only think about self many times. But the truth is that he does, he does care and that he have a plan for you and for me. His plan might not be the same plan. His plan for you might not be the same plan he has for me. But God has plans for his children. I think the way we can see this is by the life of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a great persecutor of the church. What he did for the church was horrendous. He received blindness because of his persecution on which he humbled himself, humbled him, of course, and in the road to Damascus, he met whom? The Savior. And it changed his life. You know, some people lived in this world like, oh, you know, there are all kinds of wickedness, there are all kinds of things, and one day they meet God. Amen. And you go, what will happen to that person? They met God. God is the transform of lives because when God meets you, God transforms your life and says, now I have a plan for you. I had a man one, one, a man one time walk into church. I, I'm going to describe it. i never forget this. He walked into church. He had a hair all the way down, you know. Big cowboy boots, jeans, a big chain like somebody's going to steal it. I feel like, you know, you have a chain on your, on your wallet. Like, what in the world are you holding there? Like, you, know, you must have a lot of money in that thing because you don't want nobody to steal it, I guess. But he's coming out and he's walking down. He sits a couple of seats before the front, sits there with oh, his face like that. And uh, the, the pastor was preaching. pastor said him strictly many years ago. He was preaching, goes on. Believe it or not, I, actually, I said it. Man, that guy's a punk. <laughs> I didn't know what he's looking. That was my words. You know, my own mind. The message is done. In the end of the message, a man moves forward and he gives his life to Jesus. Amen. 
Ironically, the following Sunday, the man had a haircut. The man had a suit and a tie on. It's not like I went tell him. It's not like anybody went tell him to dress up. I actually asked him, I said, what happened to you, brother? He said, I'm a Christian now. That's what God does in the lives of people. When people are doing this and this and that, guys, when they meet God, God transforms them. See, Paul was a, was a persecutor of the church. He assists Stephen being stoned to death. He persecuted the church, but when he met God, God transformed him. You know why? Because he loves you. He cares about you. And out of his love, he said, I can do something with you. He can do that. God will not... God's will for you, let me put it this way, is not a road map. It is a relationship that he wants to be, have with you. How did he, he led his children of Israel to the wilderness? He said he, he, he didn't give them a map. It was the, the cloud and a pillar that was, I'm sorry, it was, he gave them a cloud and a pillar of fire, his presence, follow him. And it was the God, that's what God wants you in your life. He says, I want to be part of your life. I want to be with you. I want you to understand that I know everything about you. God has good works prepared for you to walk in. As you draw near to God, He will show you the good works that He desires for you to do. Listen, God doesn't have any bad intentions for you and for me. He wants the best for you and for me. But it's easy for us in our own struggles to say, what am I doing in this world? Nobody cares about me. I'm going from problem to problem. Look, seems like everybody's smiling and laughing. And I'm the one, the only one crying here. Don't get deceived. Because everybody cries. And everybody hurts one time or another. Like I said, life is not fear. But there's a God that loves you. And cares about you. Folks, I live long enough to understand this. It's not like I was born yesterday. There are times in our lives that we are in the deep valleys. And we are hurting. And it's easy to say, where's so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Nobody cares about me. God says, I'm here. Look up to me. Let me put it this way. When Paul was in prison in, uh, when it was in, prison in Rome, he says, I learned. I learned. I'm satisfied. He learned that even in a deep, times of life, in all those problems of life, when life is hard, he learned that I can trust you, Lord. And we see him in that prison cell, instead of feeling sorry for himself, he's writing to the church of Philippi to encourage them, who were free at the time. Can you imagine that? Instead of them saying, oh, feel bad for me, look what's going on with me. Oh, I, I'm in this, this run jail over here. I'm wasting my time. You know why? Actually, he did not. You know what he did? In those days when you were a prisoner, a soldier was next to you. You know what he did? He gave the gospel to the soldier. He didn't waste no time. So instead of feeling bad for himself, sorry for himself, you know what he did? He write to the Philippians encouraged them. That's why if you look at the book of Philippians, we go through that on Sunday nights. I'll tell you what, what a great encouraging book. Because it is. The key to understanding God's will for your life is having a close relationship with the Lord. 
As you spend time with the Lord reading His Word and praying, you will get the sense of what God's desire for you. He will speak to you and guide you and will lead you through life. I conclude with this, folks. For sure, life throws at us, throws us, at us many curveballs many times. And some of those curveballs towards us, it hurts. It hurts deep. By the way, do you ever got hit with a, a baseball? I honestly talking about. It. You ever got hit with a baseball? All right, we're going outside. I'm going to throw a ball at you. <laughs> Each one of you get in line. I'm going to just throw a ball at you, and that you can have a sense of what it feels like. I don't know what. It hurts. I seen some players get. I never got hit with a baseball, <laughs> but I tell you what, it looks like it hurts. I see those guys get hit and they go down, right? And some of them get really angry. <laughs> They don't know if they should go get the guy in the mountains. They should go, oh, that hurts. <laughs> you know what? One thing that is really funny that I see is when a person gets really hurt and try to look like he's not hurting, and after, like, it's amazing how the cameras get those things, and they, and they walk on, and they walk around again. <laughs> well, it does hurt. And that's what life is sometimes. We say to somebody, oh, I'm okay. Oh, hey, it's fine. And, and, you, and when they don't see you, go, oh, because it's life. But you know what? In the middle of those hurts, David says right here, you know me. You know me, Lord. You know everything about me. So, don't let discourage, discouragement have the best of you. Look higher. You matter to God so much that he sent his son for you. You belong to Him. Live life for Him. When discouragement comes about, look up. Look up. Because He knows you best than anybody else. That's who He is. But when you feel like a nobody going nowhere, just think that you are, you are a somebody going somewhere. You follow that? Where are you heading? Heaven. Seems too far away. No, it's not that far. See, I'm not a nobody going away. I'm somebody going somewhere. And that somewhere is heaven. What are you doing here? I'm just fulfilling God's plan. He wants me to be here. So I will serve him until he calls me home. Listen, folks, that cold grave is not the end. Heaven is our destiny. That's where we're going. So God have a plan for you. Live it. When you're discouraged, look up. When you want to know what he says, read his word. When you want to, when you get, want to get rebuked, come to the preaching of God's word. We need those things. But ultimately, you're not a nobody going nowhere. You are somebody going somewhere. Don't let nobody discourage you of that. Because you are somebody in the eyes of God. No matter how old you are, how young you are, no matter how pretty you think you are, or how pretty you think you are. You might look in the mirror and say, hey, no, who in the world likes me? I'm not that cute. That's not what God says. God says you are wonderfully made. So when you look in the mirror, I'm wonderfully made. Isn't that a good thought? Some people get a little depressed when they look and say, especially, especially, you put a picture when you were young <laughs> next to the mirror, and you look at yourself, you go, who's that person? 
It's you. <laughs> You're just with a little more wisdom, hopefully, and more age on it. But still you. And you don't know what? You're still beautiful in God's eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, that we are somebody going somewhere.